We're in John 10.10. 10. We're going to be talking about Jesus as the good shepherd. I'm going to invite Joey up. Joey's going to read our kind of main passage this morning. Wait. Joey, it's, uh, it's on for you. You're good to go. Uh, good morning. I'm going to be reading John chapter 10, verses 10 through 15. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. A hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. He will abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him and he isn't their shepherd. So when the wolf attacks them and scatters the flock, the hired hand runs away because he's only working for the money and doesn't really care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me. Just as my father knows me and I know the father. So I sacrifice my life for the sheep. Thank you. Thank you, Joey. Amen. Yeah. We're going to pull our students into a lot of participation the next coming years. So they don't, they may not want to do it at first, but they can do it. So we're going to. We're going to have them do it. We're going to encourage them to do it, guide them into it. Because uh, we, we believe in like speaking to students and saying, I have confidence in you. This is who you are. You may not see it, but I see it. This last Wednesday, I put, I put that to the test. Uh, well, our students had their scooter, and they were jumping over these blocks with the scooter, seeing how high they could go. And I decided, well, I'm going to lay down. How about you jump over me? And uh, yeah, it's pretty terrifying for Riley. Um, I prepared myself mentally to take a full hit because these kids were just blasting on through here. But, uh, and it worked out well, and he did it. Um, and I want to believe that was a Jesus moment. So <laughs> it was good. Yeah. It was good. But so there's a lot going on here uh, in, in, in John 10. I actually had a hard time just kind of narrowing my, what it, what's going on here. And, and in fact, to understand what's going on in John 10, you really have to go to John 9 and and you're, you're looking at uh, Jesus heals this blind man on the Sabbath, and there's this conversation that's going on between him and the religious leaders, and he's saying, you're fake, hired hand, unworthy, I'm the real shepherd, you don't care for these people, I care for these people, you don't know my voice, but they know my voice, you know, because the blind man, when questioned by the religious leaders, they say, who healed you? What, what happened? You were never blind. He says, no, I know what I know. I was blind, and he healed me. You say whatever you want to say, he healed me. And Jesus has this conversation with him at the end of chapter 9, where he's like, you know my voice, and so you are my sheep. It's, this really, it's really neat. I, I, I encourage you to go read it. But what we're getting at this morning is this. In the reality that Jesus is the good shepherd... He's the good shepherd, and we belong to him. That, that is an awesome reality that is true for each of us. Because it's true, it means that there is a life that we get to live that is different than if we were not a part of his flock. Being a part of the flock of Jesus means we can live a different life, a life that reflects him being our shepherd. A life that reflects his leading. And so we're going to get into that this morning. 
We are known by the good shepherd, and he calls us his and leads us to life. But here's what I mean by life. He leads us to restoration. He leads us to renewal. He leads us to provision. He leads us to confidence. He leads us to real love. This is the good shepherd. How many of you guys, I said some of those things, you're like, I know that because I have been led to renewal. I've been led to restoration. I've been led to confidence, real love, all of those things. It's because he's the good shepherd. And he leads us to life. We were talking about who we are in Christ. Eric started this series a couple weeks ago. And it's great to know who we are because once you know who you are, you know what to do, right? You know what to do. Knowing we are his, belonging to him, helps us understand that we are to stick close by our good shepherd and live lives that reflect that closeness. Live lives that reflect the closeness and intimacy we have to the good shepherd. Because there's a thief looking to destroy you. Because there are hired hands only concerned with their well-being. But then there's the good shepherd who desires to lead us to abundant life, rich life. And so we're to stick close to him, right next to him, and live lives that reflect that. And that's, that's what we're getting at this morning. Because he's our good shepherd, we have new life. Life that looks different than if he wasn't our shepherd. Life that looks different than when we are lost and wandering. Amen? So we stick close by him. We belong to the good shepherd. And Jesus, in in John 10, he draws this contrast between himself, the good shepherd, and the hired hand or the bad shepherds. And the audience of the time would have understood the significance of what he's saying even more so than we do now, even though, you know, we know a lot about what he's saying. And, okay, we kind of get what you're getting at here. But to them, this was their life. They, They knew right along. And for him to say this to the religious leaders was like a huge call out. It was a huge call out. And it was in front of everybody, and it was this big ordeal. Because the shepherd was tasked with leading the sheep out of the sheepfold, so at night they'd be put into, you know, basically a sheep pen. The shepherd would come and lead them out of the sheepfold, and he'd take them to green meadows, he'd take them to still waters. You know the 23rd Psalm, don't you? He'd lead them there. He'd also protect them day and night. But there would be times a hired hand would take the place of the owner of the, flo- the owner of the flock, often at night. And the importance of the good shepherd couldn't be overstated because a bad shepherd meant doom for the flock. A bad shepherd meant doom for the flock. But a good shepherd meant life, meant provision, meant protection for the flock. The sheep are only as protected as the shepherd is willing and able to protect them. And if the flock was met with a threat in the presence of the hired hand, the flock was less likely to be protected than if the good shepherd was present. And we're not going to really be talking about the hired hand a whole ton, but I do want to kind of put these two pictures in our mind of, no, Jesus is the good shepherd and what that means because there are bad shepherds. And there is, an, there, is, um, there is wandering, and there is you could be lost, or you could end up under kind of the leading of these 
hired hands. There's so much going on there, I'm not going to get into that. But here's some of the contrast that points out, and I really want to emphasize the, the aspects of the good shepherd. The hired hand cares for money. The hired hand cares for money. But the good shepherd cares for the sheep. Good shepherd cares for the sheep. The hired hand has no lasting commitment to the flock. No lasting commitment. But the good shepherd has a lifelong, eternal commitment to the flock. The hired hand has no knowledge or intimacy with the flock. But the deepest intimacy and knowing with the flock takes place with the good shepherd. The hired hand is concerned with his own welfare above the flock. But the good shepherd is concerned with every aspect of the sheep's welfare. The hired hand, the flock, is not his, so he doesn't take full responsibility for the flock or what happens to him. But the good shepherd, the flock belongs to him. He takes full responsibility and ownership of the flock. Good shepherd sounds like a good deal, right? That's, that's who I want by my side. That's who I want with me at all times. We are his. That's why I want to emphasize. We are his. When we're talking about the good shepherd, this kind of like tag should be in, added to the end of it. And we are his. And that means something. We belong to him. This is the reality of our identity that's found in Christ. Who we are is tied to who he is. And he is the good shepherd. In John, there are seven times, seven times he makes this I am statement. I am the good shepherd. You go read all of them. And all these statements, they tie back to Moses' interaction with God in the burning bush. There's great significance to all this. But in the I am statements, there's two of them where he kind of adds this, I hope I'm using the right word, this adjective before it. I think I'm using the right word. I don't know. Where he says, I am the good shepherd. Last week, Eric talked about, I am the true vine. And it helps us to understand, no, there is an opposite of that. There is a bad shepherd. There are vines that will do nothing for you. It implies that there is an opposite of which Jesus is not, but it also makes the statement complete without exception or limit. When Jesus says good, he isn't just saying I'm a good shepherd. He's saying I'm the good shepherd. Amen. I am the good shepherd. He is saying the good, this is the ultimate, the highest perfection, the complete image of, the definition by which all others are compared against and fall short. He is the good shepherd. This is important because the way we use language is different than the way Jesus used language. I say that meal was good. But I don't mean that was the best meal I've ever had in my whole entire life and nothing's ever going to be better than that. What I mean was, it wasn't bad. I enjoyed it. I didn't spit it out, you know. Yeah, yeah you know. I, I enjoyed it. It was satisfying, I guess. When Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, he doesn't expect us to come up to him and be like, well, I guess you're adequate enough. Uh, you know, I'm... I'm, uh, I guess I'm content in the moment right now. 
Um, you know, I really prefer a taller shepherd, but uh, this, is, this is not what he's getting at. I am the standard for the, a good shepherd. There's nothing better. Nothing exceeds it. And for us who belong to the good shepherd, this is huge because we belong to him. We've made it. We've made it. You, people use this statement like, I, you know, like, I, I feel like I've made it. I feel like I've arrived. Well, when you're with the good shepherd, you have. You've made it. You have it. Everything you need is in him. There's nothing else. Amen? And so for us, that's huge news. Like, yes. And there should be a life that reflects this reality, that follows it. There should be a life that reflects this reality. Our life should reflect the goodness of our shepherd. Right? Our life should reflect the goodness of our shepherd. You know, with, uh, with kids, and I've said this before, oftentimes when I meet a student, and this is even more so, I, I understand this a little more now uh, that I have kids of my own, but, you know, when I meet new students... They oftentimes don't make a whole ton of sense until I meet their parents. And then everything clicks, right? <laughs> everything clicks. It's like, why, what is going on here? I mean, oh, okay. I got it. I, I, I understood. Like this one kid this last week at youth group, super respectful. New kid. His friends he were with, not respectful. And I met his, and he was just, I was like super impressed by him. First time here, I had met him only once down the foundry, no church experience at all. Really nice. And, uh, but he didn't tell his mom he was coming. And of course, it's seven at night, it's dark out. As a mom, how do you feel about that? You're, whoa, ooh, she is heated. She did not care that I was there when she saw him. She was heated. And I was like, I get it. You have an understanding of authority. You have an understanding of right and wrong because your parents are instilling that into you. I get it. So it makes sense. Someone should look at us and be like, man, what is going on with these people? And then if they see our shepherd, they'd be like, it makes sense. You're with him. I got it. You have a closeness and intimacy to the good shepherd. I understand now. A life that reflects that. Now, understand, I'm not talking about, like, you know, this cushy, you know, uh, Instagram, on paper, looks amazing life. We're talking about life abundantly and, and, and satisfaction that doesn't depend on circumstance. That's what we're talking about. This is one of the things that we, I've been praying for our congregation as many of them are going, many of us are going through health issues and all of this stuff. It's like I'm praying that the Lord gives them life abundant in the midst of this. Joy and peace and all of this stuff in the midst of it. Because I know that... It's not dependent on what they're going through right now. I'm asking the Lord to show them, show you his goodness in the midst of that. I prayed the same for myself when I was feeling down. It should communicate our identity in him, our good shepherd. As even the world we are surrounded by cannot shake us from our firm foundation. Not that I'm not in a storm and not that I don't feel the abuse and the realities of this world, but because of who he is. I'm secure. I'm known. I'm confident. I'm loved and I'm not worried and fear has no foothold here. We're going to read a passage from Mark that all of us, if you've been in Sunday school or any time in church at all, you've heard this story before. 
It's from Mark 4, 35 through 40. It says, as evening, as evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind him, although other boats followed. But soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat, and it began to fill with water. Jesus was sleeping in the back of the boat with his head on the cushion. And the disciples woke him up, shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we are drowning? And Jesus woke up, he rebuked the winds, and said to the waves, Be silent, be still. Suddenly the wind stopped, and there was a great calm, and he asked them, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? You know, I, I never really realized before when I had read this that there were other boats out on the waters at the same time, going in the same direction. And all I get is probably Jesus kind of like pops up and he's like, you're acting the same as they are. Every, everyone else, I'm here with you in the boat. That should make a difference, right? That should make a difference because I am here with you. This is the type of question he asked. He said, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? This is the type of question that is actually man, meant to like give the answer to, you know? Like when you, when you see a, a little child go up and take a piece of candy from somewhere, you're like... Are you supposed to have that? It's like you already know the answer is no. You're probably not supposed to have that. And you're trying to get them to answer the question correctly. No. No. And you take it from them and you do like Amelia. Aw. What? Yeah. Sorry. Jesus' question is why are you afraid? It's like that. Why are you afraid? Have you, have you no faith? Understanding that we are his unlocks new living. It unlocks new living. You can take hold of a confidence and live with a confidence you wouldn't otherwise have. Jesus' question to the disciples is one that is saying, this isn't living any different than when you were lost sheep. What is the difference between how you're living right now and how you're living when you're lost and wandering? There should be a difference. Have you still not learned? Have you still not ha do you not have any faith? What, he's, what, what's going on here? Your life should be different. It should be a life of faith. It should be a life confident in me, your good shepherd. You know, I've said this before. Uh, you know, I have confidence about things that I have no business having confidence about. Right? Like the current thing is like every time there's an electrical project, I have confidence about it because Noel's around. I know nothing about it. I'll electrocute myself. I'll, I touch, I'm, I'm gone. But now I'm like, oh, yeah, we get that done. No problem. No problem. Easy. Easy. No, well, you know. If we, if we, you know, we talk about other things, we have a plethora of skills among us. So confident about all these things. You know, if it come, comes to stucco or uh, any of the pro, uh, hobbies that that Blake might have, or anything to do with music or sound, or anything to do, uh, do with any sort of physical labor, or, or, or whatever. There's so many skills amongst this, and I'm like, why am I freaking out? I need, some, I need someone to do some you know, plumbing stuff, I don't know, all sorts of stuff. I'm just confident about it. See, why are you confident? You don't know how to do any of this. No, I don't. <laughs> he does, or she does. I don't know. I, it's not, I'm not, not me. Stephen, why, why, are you, why do you live a life of confidence despite what's going on in your life? Because he's my good shepherd. And I maintain a closeness and intimacy with him. 
He loves me. He cares for me. He died for me. He leads me. Even in the dark times, I know I'm being led out of these dark times. He's with me. What do I have to be afraid of? And even when I feel that fear pressing on, because we all know that, right? We all know we have these battles inside ourselves. We'd be like the psalmist and be like, oh, my soul, why are you acting like this? Don't you know the reality of our situation? We stand in this closeness and intimacy with a good shepherd. Don't you know? And I say, Jesus, give me the peace that is mine because you've bought it for me. Mine because you have bought it for me. It's a whole sermon right there. You are a sheep, a part of and belonging to Jesus' flock. Put your faith in me and walk in the new life that he has unlocked for you. He has unlocked it for you. You guys know that um, some people, some people have enough money that they have multiple houses around the nation and the world that they don't live in. But they maybe a week or two out of the year, they're going to go, they're going to go chilling. It's like a vacation home. No one else is in there. That's a different kind of money that I'm not used to. It's a different kind of money. Jesus like, I, I kind of feel like that. He's like, hey, I purchased this for you. It's yours. Why don't you take hold of it? I've unlocked it for you. Have it. You're like, but the circumstance and, you know, I'm feeling and all of this. is no, that, you're mine. And I'm your good shepherd. That, that means something. A little tangent. Okay. What he's saying is, I know my sheep and they know me. Belonging to the good shepherd means something and should impact the way we live. Because the good shepherd leads us to life. The good shepherd leads us to life. John 10.10, 10, the thief's purpose is steal, kill, and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Every action, every action taken by the good shepherd is for the absolute and complete good of the sheep. Every action that he takes in your life is for your good, for your provision, for your abundant life that he has purchased for you. It is for you. He's even willing to go to the fullest lengths. This is how we know that we can trust in him because he said, so I lay down my life for the sheep. Every move is for your abundant life. The shepherd may guide us one way or another. He may change things up. The shepherd's going to do things that make no sense to us. But it's for your abundant, rich, and satisfying life. The good shepherd is always purposed to give us rich and satisfying life. And to follow him is to be led to rich, satisfying life. The enemy would have us believe that following the good shepherd means losing enjoyment, Following the good shepherd means uh, you're going to go through a bunch of worthless suffering. Following the good shepherd means uh, there's going to be a bunch of pointless sacrifice. Following the good shepherd means you're going to be giving up all of your freedom. But the shepherd has one goal in the way he leads us. Abundant life. For your good. For your satisfaction. That's who he is. This is his purpose. Yes, life and life to the fullest means the good shepherd's going to keep you from and guide you away from what is harmful, what the world deems as healthy and necessary and needed. He's going to lead you away from those things. 
But here's the reality. The reality is that the habits of a healthy person and unhealthy person are different. My phone reminded me of this last week. There's about a week or two that I wasn't feeling great. And I'm not sure about you guys, but I act different when I'm not feeling good. How many of you guys act different when you're not feeling good? My phone reminded me of this. My phone said, hey, guess what? Your average screen time is down 20% from last week, from the week previous. I'm like, what? 20%? That's a lot of time. Because the habits of me when I'm unhealthy are be on my phone. I'm not doing nothing. You know, I'm just, I'm just here, okay? But even this week, it went down another 10, it went down another 10% this week. Like the habits of a healthy person are different than an unhealthy person, right? And I bring up screen time because most of the habits in my life aren't particularly healthy um, as far as Oreo consumption and all that. But I'll tell you this, any of you guys lose your taste or your taste is off after you've been through some of this COVID stuff, my taste has adjusted a bit. I'm really hoping it's just a mental thing and not a reality because Oreos taste different at the moment. So I'm giving it a week and hopefully... Hopefully this isn't like one of those things where he's trying to lead me to better life and all this stuff. I was really hoping Oreos were a part of that satisfying life. Um, yeah, Riley, Riley, I feel like Riley and I are praying opposite prayers over here sometimes. Lord, take those Oreos away from me. He doesn't need that garbage. Lord, give me my Oreos. Still tastes good from memory, yes. Yeah, maybe I'll eat them and be like, I know this tastes good. Yes, I know it tastes good. My mind deceived me. I know it tastes good. Eat vegetables with that same mentality? Okay, here's the thing. Listen. It's true. I, en- I enjoy vegetables. I enjoy vegetables. But the point is, the habits of a healthy person are different than an unhealthy person. If he's leading you to life, where do you think he's leading you? To new habits of a healthy, satisfying life both big and small. He's saying, hey, I know you think this is good for you. It's not. We're getting it out of here because you're a new creation. You have a good shepherd. This is not for you. Let's go to the green meadows, right? Not over here. This This is junk. This is garbage. Jesus always leads you to life. If he is leading you away from something, he's leading you away from what the enemy has meant to use to steal from you, to kill you, and destroy you, both big and small. You may think, ah, this is fine. It's not fine if he's leading you from it. It's not fine if he's convicting you of it. He's the good shepherd. He's going to lead you to life. And when he's leading you to life, where is he leading you away from? Death, destruction, (laughs) Oreos. The good shepherd is always concerned with the well-being of the flock to the fullest. The hired hand is concerned with only doing what is required to receive his agreed-upon pay. We belong to the flock of the good shepherd. Being his means having access to abundant life in which he is continually giving us. There is never a point in which he isn't leading you to life. That's not happening. He's always leading you to life. When he is leading, sometimes we may be asking, Lord, why? I don't understand. The answer to that is because life is over there, not here. Life is over there. Why am I going through this? Because life, it's that way. Follow me. It's with me, not there. So the good shepherd leads us to life. 
The good shepherd protects us. John 10, 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. The life of the flock is dependent on the shepherd. The life and the protection and the well-being of the flock is dependent on the shepherd. The sheep have no defense mechanism. None. No ability to protect themselves on their own. They depend on the protection of the shepherd. They're reliant on the shepherd for protection. We're the same. We may have convinced ourselves there are things that we can do on our own, but that's all that is. That's just fancy convincing and logic that actually doesn't make any sense because we need him. That's why he says in John uh, 15, 5, we covered this last week, for apart from me, you can do nothing. Nothing. He didn't say, for apart from me, you can't do, and here's this long list of things. He says nothing. Period. That's it. Nothing. No thing. Man, I've never seen that before. Gosh. Yeah. I'm coming back, okay? We're not, I'm like rearranging it all now. Nothing. This isn't just talking about what we can produce, but in all of our abilities, it's not like Jesus plus, plus what we can do. No, it's all reliant on him. The more you follow Jesus, the more he is making you aware of the fact that you, can, you can, can't do anything on your own. You need him. Apart from Jesus, how do you plan to protect yourself from the enemies? Against the darkness of the age, against the principalities and cosmic powers. How do you plan on doing that? How do you plan to break the chains that have been placed on you and the weight on you and your family that you drag around? How do you expect to break those? You can't do that on your own. How do you expect further freedom? How do you expect more abundant life? You shouldn't have any expectation of that apart from Jesus. Because we can do nothing apart from him. But for those that say we are his, we are safe and secure. Not because of blue skies and not because of full accounts and not because of health and not because everything is going to plan, but because we are his. That's it. We are his. This confidence we talked about, we can have because we are his. He's already laid down his life for us and has won. Look at this in John 10, 18. No one can take my life from me. I sacrifice it voluntarily. For I have the authority to lay it down when I want and also to take it up again. For this is what my Father has commanded. He has willingly come to our rescue. Won't he do it again and again and again? He will continue to do the same because this is who he is and this is who we are. My confidence comes from Jesus being the good shepherd and me being his. Nothing separates us from the goodness and protection found in him. Once we are his, we are secure. We have protection, a defense that we can always run to. And we know this in Romans 8, it says this, And now I am convinced that nothing can separate us from God's love. Neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither our fears for today, nor worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or the earth below, indeed nothing in all of creation, will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Jesus Christ our Lord. We have a good shepherd whom we cannot be separated from. 
we have a closest in intimacy with. Here's another thing. Here's our last thing. The good shepherd knows his sheep. The good shepherd knows his sheep. Deep inside of us, there's this longing to be known. On the other hand, sometimes there's a, uh, a reluctance. We'll talk about that. But in John 10, 14 and 16, it says this, I am the good shepherd and I know my own sheep and they know me. Just as my father knows me and I know the father, so I sacrifice my life for the sheep. I have other sheep too. I have other sheep too that are not in the sheepfold. I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice and there will be one flock with one shepherd. We are intimately known by Jesus, similar to that knowing that Jesus and the Father share. There's a deep intimacy there. The greatest news in all of this is that he sacrifices his life for us, having known us. Completely. Entering into the flock of Jesus is not like a job interview. You understand in a job interview what you do is you go up and you're trying to present your best side and your best side only. You're trying to present only what you think they want to know that's going to get you the job. Jesus knows everything about you. Sometimes there's this reluctance to being known because there's this voice in our head that says, well, if they truly know me, they'll reject me. If they knew everything, they're not going to accept me. There's this kind of reluctance. But Jesus, knowing all of you, past, present, future, all of you, sacrifices life for you. That has weight, right? That has weight. Makes me want to tear up. Jesus, knowing all of you, the true you, everything, sacrifices his life. He wasn't duped into bringing you into the flock. You didn't trick him. You didn't have a moment of perfect acting. He knows you. He sees you, he knows you, he wants you, he loves you, he has died for you. And when Jesus says, I have other sheep, of course he's talking to a Jewish audience, he's saying, talking about Gentiles too, but I can't help but think that he's thinking, there's going to be this man born in 1993 named Stephen. He's lost and wandering. I'm going after him. He sees you. Knows you, wants you, the fullest you. He knows all the stuff you try to hide and bury. And knowing that died for you. Knowing that took on all of your garbage. And put it on the cross along with him. 2 Peter 2.25 Once you were like sheep who wandered away. But now you have turned to your shepherd the guardian of your soul. We know this. We understand this. The guardian of your soul, our shepherd. You guys remember what it was like lost and wandering? And just in case, some of you may be lost and wandering. I'm looking around. I'm not sure. I'm just saying just in case. There's a good shepherd for you. And for us who know him, man, this is a good life he gives us. 
He wants you to take that life and live it because he purchased it for you. We can't talk about the Good Shepherd and not talk about Psalm 23. So here's what we're going to do. I'm not really going to talk about it. But all I'm going to do is read it. And I'd like you in your own mind to read along with me. Process every word. I'm going to read it slow. Process every word. Take it in. Let it kind of be just a little bit of a nourishment. So here it is, Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me to the path of righteousness for, in his, uh, for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, and your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies, and you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all of the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. We have no need. I shall not want, or I have no need, or I have all I want because of the good shepherd. This is the reality of your life today, right now. Because we are his. That last kind of verse, as I follow him, his goodness, his mercy, his unfailing love, it's in pursuit of you. He's leading you and in pursuit of you. And what's chasing you? His goodness is chasing you. What's pursuing you? His mercy is pursuing you. His love, unfailing, is after you. For how long? Forever. Into eternity. But the life that he promises us, promises us in eternity with him in heaven forever starts now. And what I believe he's saying to us is, I am your good shepherd. Take hold of that life I have purchased for you. Take hold of it. It is yours. That house over there that I've purchased for you, don't let it go empty. Go live in it. Dwell in it. It's yours. This good shepherd who's with you, don't ignore him. Stand right by him. Be in it. So as we worship, we're thanking our good shepherd. Thank you. And we're saying, Lord, guide me into this life that you have unlocked for me. Amen? New life. A life of restoration, renewal, purpose, protection, confidence, and real love. This is the life he's leading us into. We're taking hold of it this morning. Amen? So, Father, we thank you. We thank you for being the good, the standard, the highest perfection, the good shepherd, our good shepherd. Saturate our hearts with this knowledge that we are yours, and because we belong to you, have access to new life which you have unlocked. Father, renew our souls this morning. 
And let this truth that because I have you as my good shepherd, I shall not want. Because you are my good shepherd, I have all I need. Guide us into taking hold of this beautiful, glorious, huge reality. We thank you. We praise you, Father. Allow us to worship you this morning well. Amen.